What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith, and here we are in the final couple weeks of the season. Thanksgiving week is coming up. Thanksgiving weekend is the last weekend of the regular season. Then we have championship weekend. Then we have Army-Navy. Then we have bowl season. Can't believe it's happened this fast. The picture is becoming clearer. And the American Athletic Conference got a tremendous amount of help over this past weekend as it as it um, um, pertains to the New Year's Six race. Also, I'm going to talk about the coaching carousel as it is alive and well already. Uh, a buddy had texted me like, man, it seems like it's all happening so soon this year. But when you look at the early signing day period, you look at the transfer portal and all that. I guess these institutions are doing what they feel they have to do to get a head start on the coaching search. But a couple AAC coaches maybe in the conversation right now. One is for sure. Um, I got an interesting text about another one. And so I want to talk about that on this episode as well. And uh, of course, the New Year's Six, of course, this past weekend. And uh, then I'll let you get on with your day. But Before I get into all of it, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. And if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows, please, please, please leave a five-star rating, leave a positive review. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it Um, as we continue to cover the American Athletic Conference along with some other... Uh, G5. So let's start with this coaching carousel. The big, the big one, obviously Jimbo Fisher being let go from A&M. And then of course it's almost, it's only natural. It's only right that in mid to late November, every season coach Jeff trailer at UTSA gets linked to a job opening. Right. Um, and of course his name has popped up um, connected to this A&M job, depending on which reporter you're following, depends on how closely he's linked. Some people think that he's the guy. Some people think that he's not one of the top candidates, but he's on the short list. And so he was asked about it today, uh, during his press conference. And he, he addressed it head on. He said, listen, (laughs) this is something I have to address with the team. Every year around this time, he said every year around this time, except for his first year, his focus is on, um, his focus is on preparing for USF this Friday. You know, all, all the, the coach speak stuff you're supposed to say, he said. But this is what's interesting about Jeff Trailer, right? I do think he's 100% content at UTSA. I think he loves the community. I think he loves the university. I think he loves what they're building. And I think he loves the success that he's having. But if there's any job that could pull him away from UTSA, I believe it's either Texas A&M or Texas. You know, the flagship institutions of the state where he's, you know, been pretty much his whole coaching career, except for what the the two seasons he was at Arkansas. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. Now, as far as A and M's concerned, I, I'm not like following that with just a you know intensely, but I've I've seen Dan Lanning linked to that one. That would be a huge get. I've seen Lane Kiffin. So of course, you know Mike Norvell at Florida State. Eh, let's see, well they they're gonna do that again go after an FSU head coach. But 
I don't know. I I I um If there's any coach that would turn down A&M to stay at UTSA, it's Trailer, okay? Um but this this job I just feel like is different. You know, you're 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 a legendary high school coach in the state. You know, you made a name particularly in East Texas. If A&M came calling, I don't know. I I could see Trailer making that jump if they came calling. Don't know that they will, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then the other one, of course, you got Mississippi State that's open now. And then there's a lot of smoke right now with Arkansas. I don't think anyone really knows whether or not Pittman is in or out. Um, I just in case, real quick, little disclaimer. Like I, I'm an Arkansas guy myself. Um, if you've only been listening since I've been covering American the American Conference or or here recently throughout the course of this football season, you, you may not know that. Obviously, if you've been following this channel for the last two and a half years, you certainly know that. And so I, I have some connections, some very deep connections to that university, former players, um, and, and just some people in, in – not decision makers per se, but the, the some money people. I'll, I'll put it like that. And here's what I do know is that if Pittman were to be let go or if he retires, that's something that's on the table as well. There's, there's always going to be a faction in Northwest Arkansas that just cannot let Gus Malzahn go. However, a, per a text I received Earlier today, there is a cohort of some former players that are going to really be behind trying to get Rhett Lashley uh, back to Fayetteville. And so if you don't know, Rhett Lashley is an Arkansas guy. Uh, He was a Gus Malzahn guy, was a high school quarterback uh, for Gus Malzahn. Um, um, uh, not Not at Springdale, but I think at Shiloh Christian when Gus was there. Rhett was his quarterback. Rhett went to the University of Arkansas and uh, followed Gus through most of his career. But um, that would be an interesting one. And that's an interesting conversation because, you know, SMU is like, this is not the time to leave SMU. You know, not only are they cooking right now uh, in conference play and in 2023, but they're getting ready to be in the ACC. Uh, Well, I say that, you know, I don't know. I guess there's some question marks there on who they are, what they what they are in the ACC, but I think if you're Rhett Lashley in the University of Arkansas, you know, a lot has to happen to even get to this point, but if that opportunity were to present itself, I think we see Lashley take it personally, but um, again, these are not, the, like I said, this is just a group of some former players that that have a lot of influence in that area that I know would be behind that move, so it's all speculation. It's always speculation, but it's like, it's just like realignment, right? You have realignment, the coaching carousel and the transfer portal. Like those are just, those are, those are the, you know, we're, and we're almost to, to we're in carousel season. We're almost to portal season as far as who's going to leave, who's staying, but I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Do you think the American conference loses a coach or two to one of these bigger jobs? That's the question. 
And it doesn't have to be one of the two I just said. Maybe there's another one I'm not bringing up right now or I'm not, I'm not mentioning. I feel like I saw Willie Fritz's name associated with Mississippi State. Um, but Willie Fritz, man, he's up there in age. But let me know. What do you think? Do you think that the American Athletic Conference loses a coach to a Power 5 team this carousel, this cycle? Okay. The stars have aligned. Let's see. We had Air Force lose, Fresno State lose. So now the best the Mountain West Conference could do is produce a two-loss conference champion. What that's done for the American Conference is it's paved the way, not just for Tulane. Tulane's already in control of their own destiny, all right? But I believe that this past weekend with what's happened with the Mountain West, it's paved the way now for SMU and Memphis, where if either of those two win out and win the conference, they're in. Tulane, obviously, if they win out and they win the conference, they're in regardless of what happens with the Mountain West. But now I think there are legitimately three teams that they win out, they're in. Um I also think UTSA is in the mix too, but I think the way it's got to happen for UTSA is they need to play a a one, like, so Tulane needs to win this weekend against, I think they've got FAU. UTSA needs a one loss ranked Tulane team. And then they need, in my opinion, Probably a two-loss ranked SMU. Now, SMU started getting some votes in the AP. That obviously doesn't mean anything for the CFP rankings, but could we see a scenario where if SMU wins out, they get to the conference championship, UTSA beats um, Tulane the day after Thanksgiving, would SMU get into the CFP rankings? And now you have UTSA playing uh, a ranked SMU. And if they were to be able to get back to back ranked wins with Tulane and then the conference championship game against a ranked SMU, I think now you could see UTSA getting the new year six bid with three losses. The one caveat here that could put a little bit of a wrench in this, in the event Tulane were to, were to lose is an undefeated Liberty. I still think they've got a ways to go before they get serious consideration. And what I mean by ways to go is not only them winning out, going 12 and 0, winning their conference, but I think there has to be some more losses that, 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 that shake out in the American and even the mountain West before they get a look, obviously the JMU thing. I mean, they're, they're undefeated, but they're ineligible right now. And that's not going to change unless the NCAA, uh, puts a waiver out there. But I think with the Mountain West, if you're a UTSA fan, here's how you want things to play out in the Mountain West. All right, so listen. I'm going to tell you who to cheer for. This weekend, you want Air Force to beat UNLV. Okay? You want Air Force to beat UNLV, which could happen. Then Thanksgiving weekend, Air Force is at Boise. You want Boise to beat Air Force. So now two of your top three teams have three losses, right? So two of your top three teams have three losses, and then that would put 
either Air Force or UNLV against Fresno State, who has two losses that I don't see Fresno State losing to New Mexico, and I don't see them losing at San Diego State. But I also didn't see them getting whooped like they did by San Jose State. So, hey, anything can happen. So, of course, if, if Fresno can drop one of those last two games, great. But I don't think that's likely. So what, what you want is you want either the three-loss Air Force or the three-loss UNLV. I don't know who would get that tiebreaker. You want the three-loss team to beat Fresno in the conference championship. And if that happens and then UTSA wins the, the AAC with three losses, I think the, the UTSA is in there. Um, yeah. So again, that's, that's just my hypothetical for each one. I, I do think too, even SMU in Memphis, you, you want that to play out the same way in the mountain West, just so they're a non-issue. And then really, uh, Liberty losing would help those other, those other three teams. I don't, I definitely don't think a, a, an undefeated Liberty jumps a two loss SMU. They're definitely, I mean, Tulane's already the number one contender right now I don't think they would jump a two loss SMU I don't think they would jump a two loss Memphis I don't know how much Memphis's current play you know they've kind of squeaked by but so is Tulane to be fair Tulane's been squeaking by but they're already there they're already ranked um and that's the the the, the I guess the kicker is would a three loss conference champion UTSA would an undefeated Liberty leapfrog them? I guess we'll know soon enough. But so let's look at these last weekend of games. So starting us off on Friday night, man, SMU, UNT. I was very disappointed in, in North Texas. I thought they would put up a better fight than they did. And it's hard for me to say that, oh, they did it to themselves because SMU shot themselves in the foot a lot as well. I mean, SMU had a lot of dropped passes and what were opportunities where had the catch been made, I mean, there was nothing but daylight. So both teams had some things to clean up, but I think what we saw was SMU was just head and shoulders a better, a better club. I mean, 45-21, SMU might be playing the best football out of every team in the conference right now. And I know I've seen some people on Twitter, well, that's because of their cupcake schedule. It's like, well, I mean, you, you can only play the schedule in front of you. I mean, Tulane hasn't exactly had murderer's row either, and they're barely escaping every week. Now, they are winning, and I'm going to talk more about them in a second, but that's just the truth. Memphis has, hasn't had murderer's row, and they've, they've squeaked by a couple games here lately as well. So, you know, SMU's doing what they're supposed to do. And then I think the UTSA, I mean, if we're just talking who's playing their best football right now, and I did put a poll up, and I think on my poll I put on Twitter with almost 400 votes, uh, we had UTSA I think was number one and SMU finished number two. I don't know if I would put it in that order based off what I've been watching, but it's pretty close. I think it's pretty fair to say that that UTSA and SMU are the two teams that are playing the best football at this point in the season. Now, does that mean, oh, they're going to go win the champion, the conference championship? No, I'm just saying from an objective perspective, I feel like those are the two, two teams that are playing the best ball right now. Um, so anyways, SMU over UNT. Uh, USF, Temple. 
that was that was a tight ball game. Obviously, EJ Warner being back for Temple is we've seen the boost it's given them, but they still lost. Um, and USF, man, bowl the bowl hope is still alive. The bowl dream is still alive. I think it's Charlotte is the next game, not their next game, but uh, their next game is UTSA. But that's their last game, I believe. Um, I don't know if you've been hearing me talking about a few weeks ago. I said they had some winnable games. They had three win. I think four week, four or five weeks ago, right after UAB, I think it was. I said they still had bowl eligibility. They still had a shot at bowl eligibility, or maybe it was after they got whooped by Florida Atlantic. And I said they needed to be UConn, Temple, and Charlotte. So I, I still got USF as a bowl eligible team. Uh, Tulane escapes Tulsa. This is, this one was tough for me because I'm a little, I'm a little divided on what I think now about Tulane, because on one hand, I really felt like Tulane needed a blowout win going into this final stretch of the season, mainly going into UTSA. I felt like they needed to just have a game or two where they took care of business. They got the convincing win like they did early in the season in non-conference play before Pratt went down, even when, even uh, uh, when they didn't have Pratt, I think it was a Southern miss. They, they, you know, did what they were supposed to do. Um, and then we just haven't really seen that since the Memphis game, you know, that Memphis game, we knew it was going to be a hard fought game. They took care of business, pulled away late. And then since then, it's kind of just been these squeak by games and, I think what my concern was is if they go into UTSA playing like that, they're going to, or if they not go to UTSA, obviously the game is in, is, 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 is in, um, uh, um, New Orleans, but I feel like if they play how they're playing against UTSA, they're not going to win that game. But then on the flip side, you go, okay, well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is they're playing to their level of competition. All right. Well, if they play the level of competition, then what we'll probably see against UTSA is a best, the best version of Tulane. <clears throat> Where playing to the level of competition can be dangerous over the course of a season is it usually means that a team is going to lose a game or two that they should not lose. That hasn't been the case for Tulane because they've managed to be on, pull out on the winning side of these games. So they've got one more against FAU, who I don't know who this FAU team is anymore, uh, especially after just getting whooped by ECU. So I would like to think, okay, maybe this will be the game where they put it all together, Tulane that is, and they get a convincing win in convincing fashion. But even if it's a close win because they go and they play to the level of FAU's competition, but they still get the dub, it's like, okay, that's not how you want to get your wins week in and week out. But if you get the win week in and week out, hat tip to you. And so, because I was thinking about that over the week, I was like, gosh, if Tulane keeps playing like this, they're not going to beat UTSA. But then I thought, well, it's not how they're playing. It's just the fact that they kind of let whoever they're playing against sort of dictate how they play. And that works for, the, for, for better and for worse, right? If you're playing a lesser team, you play lesser. But if you're playing a more competitive team, you play more competitive. And I feel like that's what we've seen out of Tulane in conference play. And as long as they can avoid the trap and as long as they can avoid getting snake bitten, <coughs> excuse me, it'll be fine, I guess. 
Either way, I think that Tulane UTSA game is going to be a really good matchup. Uh, Memphis, ooh, that Memphis Charlotte game. Memphis fans, were y'all sweating that one? Um, obviously, y'all got the big basketball win against Mizzou this weekend. So I know that was that was that was big time, but I thought Charlotte was about to pull off the upset over Memphis. But Memphis again, they got the victory. They're still hanging in there. Navy over UAB, I, that that one's that was probably my biggest disappointment of the weekend because UAB is a team that was still in contention for a ball game. They had three winnable games on the schedule, at least I thought, and they just were flat. And Navy just absolutely put it on them, thirty-one to six. And that's got to be tough because it's been a couple heartbreaking losses in basketball. Even though they did just get the win over Clemson yesterday, um, but. Two heartbreaking losses to start the basketball season. Both had questionable officiating calls. Then you had ECU uh, over FAU. I know a lot of FAU fans right now, you are all in on basketball. So if you're still watching or listening to this show, thank you. Um, I will get to the FAU, more FAU basketball as the season plays out. The talked about their victory over Loyola Chicago last week. And then finally, UTSA over Rice. Um, I mean, that's one of the more convincing wins over Rice that Rice has had in conference play, quite frankly. Um, I mean, that they, I don't think Rice has lost that bad since UConn. Let me look at their schedule. Yeah, it was a two-point loss to Tulane, five-point loss to SMU, and then a 20-point loss to UTSA. Ah, okay, they got a big win. Well, they yeah, they won big win over Tulsa. Well, no, I guess UConn was a one-possession game. Yeah. Yeah, USF was the 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 biggest margin of victory second to UTSA and that you know JT Daniels went out in that game so take that for what it's worth but that was your weekend lineup. Let me know your thoughts on this New Year's 6 race. Uh if you're a UTSA fan, how are you feeling about your chances now with three losses given how the Mountain West uh, weekend just played out. I think if you're a Memphis fan or an SMU fan, you've got to be thrilled with how things happen because you're still in it big time. Like really, really, you're kind of in a control your own destiny, right? Similar to Tulane, even though you're not, you're not in the position that Tulane is in, but you're in a position knowing you might see Tulane, likely we'll see Tulane, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how that We'll see how that goes, right? We got two huge weekends. We've got SMU Memphis this weekend. We've got UTSA Tulane next weekend. I think those two games will determine who goes to the conference championship. Um, they, those games will determine who goes to the conference championship. And then uh, we'll see how this New Year's Six plays out. And then, yeah, if you had any commentary on the old coaching carousel, let me know that in the comments as well. But that's it for me today. Thank you for watching. I'll see you all tomorrow. Trey Smith, College Underdogs, signing off.